you know, the one thing I think that you could do for the podcast each week, I really would Please, appreciate Please, I'm, I'm anxious to hear this. I, I would love for you each time to come in with a new song. <laughs> when a I say song. cue the music, yeah, do oh, something. Oh, just some kind of yeah. beatbox or, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. Yeah, just... I, I've got my juice harp in my office. I'll be sure well, and bring that. So. You, you be you. I know that you, you've been studying guitar. You might want to break well, that out. And I've been studying show it. Show Michael how well you've uh, been doing. Yeah, I've been studying it. I know what the neck is. And, yeah. <laughs> 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 is studying the same as playing? Because I may be getting this wrong. For some it is. All right, welcome to season four of Crazy Pastors, our hope in this fun and lighthearted podcast that we will at least attempt to encourage and to equip church leaders, and super excited because this is episode one of season four, and it's going to be incredible. We've been doing this a long time, and they keep extending our contracts, so that's great. Yeah, yeah, it's probably due to the fact that we do it for free. Oh, yeah, I that mean, helps in the compensation. Wait model. a minute. I didn't sign up for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about I'm expecting royalties. remuneration. <laughs> well, as soon as we get all those big sponsors in, it's it's gonna be amazing. Yes. Truthfully though, I am very, very excited about this season because we've been doing this for a long time. We have. And I like to think that we're getting better at it. But that being said, please, mm. if you have not listened to the previous seasons, this is a great time to catch up. Go check out at least season one where Ronnie crushed it on staff infection. Yeah. And let us know if we're getting better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> please do. You be the judge. <laughs> that would be great. But in this season, we're going to have several more guests than we normally do yeah. uh, on the podcast. Okay. Very, very excited to announce that we have three guests signed up yeah, coming up. some really good ones. Right. So we have David Hardage. Yes. Who is... Uh, Executive director. Oh, I thought it was Graham Poobah. Well, that's of his Moose Lodge. Oh, <laughs> he is. <laughs> he's the executive director for Texas Baptist. Texas Baptist, otherwise known as Baptist General Convention of Texas. Awesome. He's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. We got to hang out with him at convention. And yeah. he's definitely going to be one of the coolest guys that we have yeah. on. He's retiring after 10 years of service in that role. Well, fantastic. Yeah. We got him. We've got Dana Allen coming on. He's the executive director of the Eco Presbyterian denomination. Okay. So super excited about that. Matter of fact, that's next week. This is season of the executive director? Yes. And then we have one other who's not an executive director, but I'm sure he has but had that title be. many times. Big name, Todd Bolsinger. Todd Bolsinger. Is going to be joining the podcast. Yeah. Canoeing the Mountains, they're, they're Tempered great. Resilience. Super excited. Yeah. It, I, I will say that outside of David Hardage coming on, we have a very fuller seminary, heavy guest list so far. Really? Yeah. Is that by intent? No. Okay. No. They're the only ones that answered the phone. Uh, they they returned my emails, yes. So anyway, yeah, hey, we're very, very excited them. about the season coming up. Hope you guys feel entertained, yeah. but also equipped. So it's yeah. going to be good. Very excited about all three of those guys. They'll, they'll add a lot. They will. They will. Well, in today's episode, Ronnie, we're going to talk about drift. I like that. Now, on the now, podcast today, we've got really three things that we're going to talk through on drift. Okay. We want to talk about individual drift. Yes. Family drift and organizational drift, whether it's okay. church or company. All three can drift. Well, they all yeah. do drift. And so a couple of setups here. A leadership author wrote this, and the quote is, and I forget who it was, though, I'm sorry. The only thing that is natural in an organization is death and decay. Yes. Everything else is the result of leadership. Now, with that in mind, the other illustration for the podcast today, I'm sure you're going to bring many more. I don't know of a single story where someone 
or some organization drifted somewhere good. Correct. When we talk about drifting, it is a passive response to current circumstances that you choose not to act and allow the circumstances to drift you somewhere. And that's always the precursor to a story of trauma, <laughs> of <laughs> yeah. death. Yeah. You know, it's never like, or hey, we drifted into a five-star all-inclusive resort and it was amazing. Yeah. Now, if that happens, they're really lucky and yes. not the norm. Definitely not. So let's talk about first family okay. and talk about family drift. You and I have been kind of chatting about this over the last several days and the issue of we measure what is most important to us. Yes. Right? And so on this idea of drift and a whole family kind of moving in the right direction, I just wonder if we could just talk for a second, what are the things that we actually measure in a family? In a family? Yeah. Um, well, again, finances, you kind of look at a certain financial level. Salary, savings, 401k. Yeah. yeah. I mean, insurance, health insurance, you know, everything that kind of helps us live life. Right. Right. You measure success of your children in regards to grades yeah. or, I mean, even sports, I guess, to some degree, what they're, if they're select or really? all-star. Some degree, yeah. maybe. <laughs> Come on, man. That's big time. Yeah, everybody's going D1 and, and pro. So those kind of things. You measure, you know, how much leisure time do you take, vacation time. You Did you grow up at a home where your parents measured your height on a wall? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah? They still do that. Do they really? I haven't grown in 20 years, but they, for some reason. Michael, are, are you that. measuring your kids' heights on a wall? Yeah. <laughs> that is so awesome. Yeah. My mom has transferred through the years the history of that onto whatever wall, on a wall somewhere yes. in the house. Yeah. So you can still see at my mom and dad's house today when I was, you know, five years old. Yeah. We learned with our kids to do that on a two by four. So you could oh, transfer from house to house whenever you move. You. So yeah, it was on just one. Or we had to paint over. So, so these are all things that we measure in yeah. the home. Yeah. Yet my question is, are they the most important things? Because what we measure, we inherently feel is important. Right. But are they the most important things? Hmm. Well, I, I mean, I guess, you know, what things are important that you can't measure, right? So there's that element of how okay. do you measure memories? How do you measure uh, spiritual growth, growth experiences? Yeah, well, spiritual growth. You know, Can you measure that? You can check the boxes, I guess. Seeing the fruit, but again, some of those are it's kind of hard to measure, and so right. but doesn't mean they're not important that way either. I have a friend of mine, Kent, who was head of EDS Asia for a, a while. Oh yeah, super smart guy, and I remember Kent talking through one time and saying every single year his family gets together at a table and they talk through four areas that they want to make a difference, uh, make an improvement in over this next year. Yeah. So he talks about family finances, faith, and friends. Hmm. And Ken, if I'm misquoting you, please forgive me. But even the children had to come up with a goal. Like, I have five friends. I want to add two new friends this year. Yeah. Right? Or I have $5 in my savings account, my piggy bank. I want to have 10 by the end of the year. Right. Well, and then that fits into the idea of drift, right? So even as a family, we want to have goals, things out in front of us we try to achieve. So we have to Sit down and talk about those. What are the goals for your kids? What are your kids' goals? And the measurement there comes in achieving those goals, right? So that becomes important to you because if not, your family just kind of floats along without any direction, just hoping things turn out okay. That's not really the way, not even the biblical way to raise a family, to raise your children. It's important to have those goals. And you can measure 
when you achieve those? So we know measurement is an important part of staying on track. We have to measure what is most important. I want to confess that there have been seasons of my life where I think I've been super deliberate in this area with my family. And then there's seasons of my life where, uh, I mean, comparison is a thief of joy, but I think that there's been seasons where I've kind of coasted a little bit uh, in this area of leadership. So if, if that's my experience, I imagine it's probably others' experience as well. Yeah. I mean, we don't do it perfectly. There's ebb and flow seasons that we go through that other things may demand priority over what we typically see as important in our lives. But you stick with it. That's the longevity, right? It's a marathon, not a sprint when it comes to even family direction. And even, you know, thinking, like you said, retirement, the, the latter years of life, which I know you're starting to think a lot about with your age. So it's important to, you know, and, and you, you look at those, and a lot of it, I think the measurement happens much later after the events. You know, we found a, a box full of photos. I don't know if anybody remembers photos. but Like we used printed to, Like photos? Polaroid printed type oh, photos. Wow. And so you're looking back and reminiscing of those things. And now you can look and say, you know, some of those goals that we set before when the kids were little actually accomplished. They're, they're alive, for one. <laughs> they're employed. And uh, they like to hang out with us still. So that's some good measurement. That's a good thing. Yeah. So on the family front, I would just ask parents that are out there to spend a little time with your spouse, with your kids, and talk through, you know, when we graduate from high school, what are the things that we want our kids to know? What are the experiences we want them to have? What's their level of belonging in a faith culture that we want them to have? Yeah. And just have some benchmarks out there so you know where you're headed. Set goals, especially financially, where you want to be, because you're just kind of playing it paycheck to paycheck. That's That adds all kinds of stress and anxiety onto the family and, and impacts even the way you raise your children. So those kind of things, goals, priorities are important in every aspect of our lives. All right. So if we don't have a direction that we're pursuing, then by default, we're going to be drifting away. Yes. So let's talk individually. Okay. All right. So you go first. <laughs> I'd be happy to, Ronnie. Thank you. You you know, so individually, there's uh, you can obviously coast Mm. and survive, and a lot of people do. I remember, you know, um, uh, McMinn had that thing. He would say that those who do not read have no advantage over those who cannot read, right? Which is pretty rough. But then those who do read have a significant advantage over those who do not. Yeah. So that's just one area. So you have in our own lives. If I am coasting in my learning of my career of the things that I am hoping to teach on or speak on or whatever, right? I mean, come on. You've been preaching for 30 years. Do you ever need to write a new sermon? I mean, you've got the Rolodex, right? No, people don't remember. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that I've preached it before. So no, I wouldn't, I would not necessarily have, I do. I I know you do. Of course, that's what every single (laughs) pastor says. For those of the church members listening. the yeah. truth is you've got your top probably, I don't know, five that you've done through the last 30 years. <laughs> Out of 30 years, you have five. Wow, that's generous. Thank you. <laughs> but you've got your top ones. You don't have to zeros? completely recreate stuff every single week, but no. you do well, as a part of your process. As far as you know, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, we, we can, can coast, but my experience has been, so a lot of what I do is, you know, codifying thought of others and myself into content that I can then teach. Yeah. So I have to constantly have a plan to press into that learning. Sure. Otherwise, I'm losing ground sure. and I'm going to become less effective, right? And I think that's probably easier, you know, to think about personal goals. Hopefully, it's easier to think about personal goals 
what you want to do, what you want to accomplish, whether it's, you know, getting in shape okay. or having more friends or, or spending more vacation time, whatever, because we like for ourselves to, to get better. <laughs> but if you don't, I mean, just, there are a lot of people who actually don't. They just kind of drift into things that are not good, unhealthy relationships, maybe even careers that are not great All right, so, or joblessness. Yeah, this whole idea of drift and not having targets can impact everything. I mean, if you are single and you're looking for a spouse yeah. and you don't have a target in mind of here's the things that I need this person to to be, yeah. then you do. You get into these you know difficult relationships. You, you settle yeah. on things instead yeah. of holding to. You, so I just made the case about this educational thing being important, right? Yes. But let me push back on just a little bit because to keep in line with what we said on family, is my educational pursuit what's most important for me individually? I mean, it's one of them. It is, but it can lead to other things that are important right? right? So, that but, you want out of life. So if you measure just, let's say career, okay. you know, I, I want to- Career. Yeah. <laughs> No, I didn't say you mention it. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But if my my learning, my education, my career, if these are the things that I measure most, which probably for most guys, I mean, that's probably pretty up there, right? I would think so. I guess my pushback is there are so many other things that are more important than that, although they are important. Yeah, but I mean, why can't you balance all those things, right? Have many priorities that you're accomplishing, big priorities that you're accomplishing. Okay. Yes. I think you can balance them, but have a holistic approach to it. Right. Holistic. Right. I don't want to be all legalistic, but if you are not studying- You're always on the edge of that though. (laughs) I'm always on the edge of legalism. (laughs) It's it's part of my pain. (laughs) But if we believe that God's word is true and healthy and beneficial for us, yet we don't do anything to further our understanding of God's word on a regular and consistent basis- then we're drifting in the wrong direction. We're losing ground. So obviously your personal discipleship has to be a part of what you measure. I don't want to get legalistic because that is my nature to say that, you know what, Ronnie, if you are not spending 30 minutes a day, (laughs) every single day reading the ESV and all the applicable study notes, and then 30 minutes a day reading Howard Hendricks or Erickson or any other smart people, And then 30 minutes in prayer, and oh, then you need two hours of workout. Yeah, well— Then you need to read intellectually for a couple hours. I mean, we go to that passage often where Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man, so we see the four quadrants of life. Obviously, if Jesus saw that as important, we should too as well. But when it comes down to legalism, I've got a couple friend of ours that they speak into different pastor gatherings and was talking to the wife one day and she said, you know, one of the most freeing things that I say in those conferences is that, you know, my husband and I, we don't always pray together. We don't often pray together. And said, when I say that, it's just a a gasp of relief in the room (laughs) because, you know, you get to that legalism of like, well, you have to do these things, these things, these things uh, to make this priority accomplish this goal. Like, well, Maybe, but not necessarily. There are many ways to get around that. But just that whole understanding of the importance of growth, what is important to you, you're going to grow in. It's going to make it a little bit easier. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I think a key word that's involved, whether it's corporate, personal, church, whatever, is that accountability element. We have to have people to come alongside us. I guess you don't have to, but it makes it easier when there's someone there pushing you, challenging you. We talk about that in discipleship. Yeah. That's true in family life. 
It's definitely accelerant, life. right? Yeah. You can get further faster right. if you have people with you. Yeah. It's easier to step out of it when you're alone. So on one hand, I want to encourage everyone to have a plan for your personal growth and development. Yeah. On the other balancing side of that, don't be so consumed with a dashboard and scorecard that you somehow think that the results of your dashboard and your scorecard make you more or less righteous. Right. Yeah. Right? There has to be some balance to all this stuff. You know, this is parenthetical. Um, doesn't even add to this podcast, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Please do. We're uh, used to that. I think as I get older, and I hope more mature, and I hope more wise, mm. that I am learning to have more and more grace for people that disagree with me than yeah. ever before. Yeah. Is that weird? I disagree. Oh, you don't... <laughs> You don't see that in me. This is accountability here, ladies and gentlemen. Point, counterpoint. Uh, Yeah, no, I think you're right. But, I mean, you talk about the goals. So, you know, the idea of stop and smell the roses kind of stuff. So if I'm headed from Burleson to Dallas, I've got a point A to point B. But, hey, there's a cool little road over here that I've never gone on that goes up this hill and great scenery. Hmm. Why not take that, right? So you can be so driven that you miss what is around you. Yes. Priorities are important. Obviously, that's why we call them priorities. But but there's also those what, what is that, moments. Priorities? Priorities, broaders. There are moments. So, yeah, that something unexpected happens and live in the moment at times. And enjoy it. Yeah, enjoy it. Enjoy it's okay it. to enjoy life. Well, that, that say that again. Yes, it's okay. It is okay. To enjoy life. Yeah. Amen. Personal problem for me, for sure. Uh oh. I mean, I oh. am a vision guy. I yeah. am a what's next guy. Yeah. I'm less concerned about what's happening right now than I am what's happening, you know, three or four steps down the road. Yeah. To my detriment, that is not in and of itself good. Yeah. Right. I've got to do better in my days ahead of enjoying the moments along the way. Yeah. So if you go off road for a moment, that's not drifting. Right. That's part of the experience. And that's okay. That's that's a good thing to do. Don't be so, would you say, legalistic? Yeah. That's yeah. some other words to throw in, but legalistic works. Okay. You miss opportunities. So we've talked about family. We've talked about individual. Yeah. I will make one connection to the two, and that Please. is you cannot give to your family anything that you do not already have. Hmm. So if you are going to lead your family spiritually, then you must develop spiritually. Yeah. If you're going to lead them in the understanding of Scripture, then you better be increasing your understanding of Scripture. Right. You can buy it for them. You just can't give it to them. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And we are in a buy-it culture, for sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, that is true. Let somebody else do it. Yeah. Bring them to church. They'll take care well, of it what's all. What's the third category of The drifting? third category is organizational. Oh. Right? So if you're not gaining ground, you're losing ground. If you're not keeping up, then you're falling behind with... Yeah those that you're with. So you consider a church an organization? Well, yeah. Any collection of human beings accomplishing something together okay. is an organization, including a church. Yeah. This almost kind of goes without saying, but I've been amazed in my career how many ministers disagree with me that an organization should have goals, mm-hmm. an organization should have measurement. Yeah. You should have an idea of what it is you're trying to accomplish this year that builds on what you accomplished last year that sets up what you're going to do two years from now. Yeah. yeah. Does not everyone think like that? I don't think so, but, you know, of course, I know we have a lot of pastors listening, and that idea, because it's a corporate line that churches don't want to cross, pastors don't want to cross, but we just call it vision, (laughs) right? (laughs) You know, everybody wants to know, 
Pastor, what's your vision for the church? Well, those are goals. Those are, uh, they, they are. desired you know, traits or whatever the vision might be. But you need to have something from the Lord, but you need to talk about that. But you also, where I think churches falter is in execution of those visions. They just, they great dreams, great big ideas, have no idea how to get there or even how to get started. And that becomes... Just people get tired of that. And a lot of times I think our people get fatigued by these grandiose visions. You know, pastor goes away for a month, he's on the mountaintop, he comes back and he says, everyone, (laughs) we're going to plant 20 churches in the next 10 years, and we're going to start next week. Yes. Like a CEO that comes up with stuff that everyone goes, yeah, just, I remember that at AT AT&T it happened. Uh, Yeah. CEO pushed out this huge initiative, and after this massive global all-hands-on-deck conference call, it ended up, I had colleagues tell me, hey, you know what? Just don't pay attention to that. Right. Six months from now, there's going to be something new. Yeah. So goals, vision, you know, scripture says without vision, people are unrestrained. So what you discover is people are going to fill in those gaps. If there's not a, a, you know, set vision for the church, everyone knows where we're headed, then people start to come up with their own ideas and they take lead. And that's where you cause, you see a lot of church division there's never, not everyone's on the same page because there is no overarching vision, uh, right? whether you fully accomplish it or not ever, but you're moving towards something. I think one of the things that we miss a lot in church work, which we've intimated on the first two topics in this episode, people want to know they're winning the game. Yeah. They want to know what the score is, and they want to know they're making progress and winning. Right. And I don't think we do that for the church enough when we say things like, we are going to have more baptisms. Yeah. We are going to reach the lost. We are going to take the gospel to all peoples in the world, yeah. all unreached people groups, yeah. with no measurement to say, you know what, there's 120 unreached people groups. This year, we're going to do whatever it takes to reach one of them. Yeah, yeah, and you know the pushback of churches that maybe don't have a vision or not accomplishing a vision is, well, I mean, we're just, we're just here to make disciples. That's, that's our commission from the Bible. Yes, it is, but... <laughs> Vision is important. So people argue, well, it's not about nickels and noses. We always talk about that. But it is, right? Because those represent something. But it's also important to understand that this idea of discipleship, it all fits in. We're trying to accomplish the same goal. It's not one or the other. I'm going to pick on lead pastors for a minute. Please. They need it. They need (laughs) it. I was talking with a pastor of a very, very large church with a humongous staff and just lots of people running around. And this is a very well-organized, structured, get-the-job-done-move-it-forward organization, church. The pastor said to me, though, one time, he said, why do we make it so complicated? Right. I mean, in the end of the day, we (laughs) preach the Word, we make disciples, and we share our faith. Yeah. Why Why does it have to be so difficult? Yeah, yeah. And that's the the very guy running this incredibly complex. Let's keep it easy. Well, you know, one of the greatest books I've read is Simple Church. Yes. You know, not always agreeing with everything in it, but the concept of that same kind of idea. Why do we try to make it so complicated? Somehow we equate that with spirituality, but it's not. It just exhausts people. Do you have any words of wisdom you can give? You got a pastor out there who's thinking about his church and he really doesn't know what to pursue next. Any words of wisdom or hope? If you don't have vision, how can you get it? What do you do? I think you talk to people. You talk Uh, to your your congregation. Yeah. Well, other pastors, right? That we always kind of hit. You know, writers have a writer block. 
Sometimes yeah. pastors have a vision block. So talking to other pastors, especially in your area, what's going through, because I think the vision of your church should, in some degree, fit what's going on in your community. Right. It also should meet the needs of the people in your congregation. So you're not going to know that if you don't talk to them. What are they thinking? I often ask people. Now, you know, your leaders in your church, where I try to typically have a lunch with them on a regular basis, where would you like to see our church in a year? If we truly believe in the priesthood of the believer, we all contain the Holy Spirit. God is speaking to all of us. Certain ones have the responsibility of driving that vision. But you find out a lot by, first of all, who is God bringing to your church? Is there some commonality there? I had a, one of my first churches, there were people that came that had been involved in prison ministry. Mm. I mean, just moved into the area, had no connection to one another, and just started realizing this connection that they had this. And so we were actually actually created a ministry to a women's prison in our area because they were already involved in that kind of stuff. So you find out a lot, I think, what God is doing by who is he bringing to your church and what are your leaders concerned about. It doesn't have to all be on you. Do you think that the fact that you have a felony is, that led to well, people I, I met them. I didn't tell you where I met them. <laughs> <laughs> Ronnie does not have a felony. Uh, please disregard And ironically, that. I was put in a women's prison. I don't know what that was all about. So for the pastors out there listening to this, number one, you need to have a plan. Please do. For yourself, your family, for your church. But do not feel isolated and alone if you are out there and you don't know what to do next. Call Christopher. Right? Call call me, call Ronnie. There's a lot call people in your community. But I would confess that Ronnie and I both from time to times in our career have sat in an office and wondered, what in the world do we do now? <laughs> yeah. Right? It's yes. a natural thing. Yes. But just don't allow yourself to stay there. Right. Right. Break that, out, get some help. You know, a lot of pressure. Even in our church, we have two vision Sundays a year. <laughs> yes. Like, wow. So originally I was thinking, man, I got to come with a new vision. No, no. Just keep reiterating the vision you have. Yes. Because people forget, you know, vision leaks. We talk about that. They right. forget. They forget how we've decided to accomplish that vision. Yeah. So it's just, it's okay if you're just reminding people what you've already talked about. That's a part of vision. I think it's important, especially when we have a quarter of a quarter of your church will attend each Sunday. Yeah, right, and that helps keep your church from drifting yes. in a direction you don't want it to go. Amen, sure, brother. Sure. Amen. All right. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Crazy Pastors. I learned a lot. If, if you have found this content helpful, please leave a review on your listening platform and share the episode with a friend. If you have a question, comment, concern, complaint, or criticism, please email me at Christopher at crazypastors.org. Thank you to our producer, Michael Glenn, and our engineer, Drew Broyles, who make us sound better and smarter than we actually are. Deuces. Deuces.